0: The NFL needs to be more like the NBA. The NFL needs trade deadline intrigue. Last night, I was up waiting for the next Adrian Wojnarowski tweet. Was Jimmy Butler going to the Celtics? I lost sleep because Isaiah Thomas tweeted, eyes looking sideways emoji. That was it. That was it. Eyes looking sideways emoji caused me to lose sleep. That's incredible. The NBA has the trade deadline figured out. They've added additional intrigue to their sport by creating a system where teams can trade assets at the trade deadline more fluidly than they can in the NFL, more confidently than they can in the NFL. The NFL has a lot figured out. They give us stimulus throughout the year. After the Super Bowl, boom, we're on to the combine. Boom, we're on to the NFL draft. Boom, minicamp starts. And on and on and on throughout the year, the mainstream sports media channels are feeding us NFL content. But there is that one weakness that the NFL has. They do not provide the same intrigue with free agents in the offseason and with potential trades during the season. We did have that one year where Peyton Manning went to Denver. He was flying around. We had that decision event with Peyton Manning, just like LeBron's decision to go to Miami. But every year we have a decision event in the NBA. Last year it was Kevin Durant. Most years the NFL does not have a captivating decision event by a top star player, and they need that. It provides more intrigue. It provides engagement. The NFL needs to restructure the salary cap rules to allow teams to more easily move players back and forth. And then, by making the trade deadline more interesting, the NFL would be promoting itself in a fantasy-centric way. That's the future, because that's the way sports are now consumed more than ever. The transaction has superseded the action, and the best way to keep fans of a losing franchise engaged... Hope trafficking. Hope trafficking with the draft and hope trafficking with mid-season trades. Give me those draft picks. I want the hope. Infuse me with hope. Trade veteran player X for picks, please. We want picks. We want to lose. We want to maximize our chances at getting the best possible prospects. Lose. Jettison star players. Please let us lose in the most spectacular way possible but i don't understand the mechanics behind the collective bargaining and the salary cap well enough to give you a solution i don't know exactly why more teams aren't trading at the trade deadline because when i set up my own ad hoc trade machine on my personal computer i see lots of potential trades where the salaries line up And both teams would remain under the salary cap. I see lots of potential opportunities for trades throughout the NFL season, and they never happen. Nothing ever comes of it. The NFL trade deadline comes and goes with no transactions, except the New England Patriots, of course, the Super Bowl champions. They're the ones making the trades. They're stunning the sports world trading high-profile players like Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, for picks. They're doing the opposite. You would think that the contender would be acquiring the Pro Bowl assets for picks, but New England is trading as if it's rebuilding, which is part of the genius of the New England Patriots. But Why is it only the Patriots that seem to have the courage to trade? I believe it's because the NFL is such a violent place. And attrition is such a driver, which teams win and which teams lose every year, that NFL general managers would just as soon not trade players because they don't know how healthy the players they're getting in return. Did I just trade a draft pick for someone that can barely walk? That's a real danger in the NFL that you don't have in the NBA or Major League Baseball. What do these team doctors know that we don't? Did we just give up a third-round pick for damaged goods? They have physicals, and you see this happen a lot. After trades, a lot of them are nullified because the player failed a physical. So that is a real concern. The fundamental nature of the sport makes trading more difficult because so few players, especially at the midseason point, can be evaluated because you have no idea what they're doing in the training room to get on the field every week and whether or not they're one game away from finally tearing that muscle or ligament and being sent to IR. So if you put yourself in the shoes of an NFL general manager, you can see pretty quickly, oh, this is difficult. I don't feel comfortable giving up a certain asset in the future in the form of a draft pick for a player that Team X is willing to punt at the midseason point. This is terrifying to me. Why are they trading him to me? With a Chandler Jones, with a Jamie Collins... The Cardinals and the Browns felt pretty comfortable. We're getting a very good player here. But a player with a lesser talent profile than those players, it becomes very difficult to create a value proposition where another team would be willing to give up valuable draft pick assets for an unknown quantity. Yet still, there should be more trades in the NFL. The NFL itself should implement rules that ease salary cap restrictions during the season to allow teams to absorb larger contracts than they otherwise would be able to absorb, incentivizing contenders to add impact veterans at the midseason point, while also incentivizing non-contenders to trade away these veteran assets for future draft picks. This would make the trade deadline much more interesting, but yet I'm still not sure whether any trades would happen because the NFL is run by cowards. That's why the New England Patriots stand out so much that they're willing to take risks based on the conviction they have in their player valuation process. So few teams have any conviction with their player valuation process. And that's one of the reasons why, even if the salary cap rules were modified to help facilitate mid-season trades, I'm still not sure we would see more trades in the NFL. Because as long as general managers like Ted Thompson are making these player personnel decisions, franchises will still be paralyzed with fear. Because Ted Thompson could have and should have acquired another wide receiver at the trade deadline after... Most of the wide receivers on the Green Bay Packers roster went down in 2016. In the week leading up to the Green Bay Atlanta game, the divisional championship round, Geronimo Allison was projected to start. Think about that. You're willingly rolling out Geronimo Allison because you're too afraid of being second guessed to go out and trade a future draft pick for a wide receiver like a Travis Benjamin. Don't you think the San Diego Chargers would have loved to unburden themselves from the Travis Benjamin contract once Tyrell Williams broke out in 2016? Of course they would have. They would have happily traded Travis Benjamin to the Packers. All the Packers had to do was pick up the phone. But Ted Thompson runs the Packers from a place of fear rather than conviction. The fear of being second-guessed is more powerful than the desire to optimize the talent profile of one's roster. And I think that's most general managers in the NFL. Think about that. And that's why we see so few trades. I also believe that many fantasy gamers are smarter than NFL GMs. I believe that we would I also believe that many fantasy gamers are smarter than NFL GMs. I believe the best fantasy players in the industry could do a better job accumulating talent for NFL teams. And some of you listen to this show. And luckily there is a fantasy sports platform, Reality Sports Online, RSO. The great thing about RSO is it most closely mimics the experience of being a real NFL general manager. RSO leagues include salary caps. They include contracts. And for anyone that's looking for a truly sophisticated fantasy league that makes it feel like you're running an actual NFL franchise, reality sports online is the platform for you. So we've started a Roto Underworld league on the RSO platform and we're giving away one spot in that league per week. All you need to do is email rotounderworld at gmail.com one paragraph explaining why you would be a quality owner in that league, why you would be better than Ted Thompson. That's the thrust of your submission. Just explain with a few sentences why you'd beat Ted Thompson on Reality Sports Online. Do that. And we'll give you a slot in the league. And I was talking about fantasy platforms last night with Rich Rebar. We are talking about a lot of things, fantasy sports platforms, fantasy sports media sites. And I asked a question that many of you won't believe I asked him. I asked Rich, what exactly is a draft kit cheat sheet? Like, What is a cheat sheet? In the, in the existential sense, what is a cheat sheet? Because I couldn't define a cheat sheet. This often happens to me. With fantasy football because I started with fantasy baseball and I've always been inclined to collect my own data I'm not always aware of all the tools that are available to the fantasy gamer and I've never actually sat down and fully understood the value of a cheat sheet for fantasy football because in general the concept of a cheat sheet makes me slightly uncomfortable because it doesn't fit with the mission of player profiler The mission of Player Profiler is to make you smarter about your fantasy football decisions and to provide fans of teams, player agents, player personnel executives with critical data elements to evaluate players. The mission of the site is not to distill these players down to one number, to jam these players into arbitrary tiers. It's not why we're here. It's not what we do. It's not our mission. And yet you're already seeing draft kits with cheat sheets being marketed for the 2017 season before free agency even begins, much less the draft. So I was lamenting this to Rich, just telling him, so I was lamenting this to Rich. What is the fascination with cheat sheets? And he didn't have an answer for me. At first, before I'm going to ask a question like, what is a cheat sheet? Something that is likely blatantly obvious to 90% of fantasy gamers. You would think I would be anxious to ask someone like Rich that question. It would expose me as a fraud in the industry. But I don't feel that way because when I ask Rich, please walk me through the value add of a cheat sheet. Even someone as smart as Rich Rebar is going to struggle with that question. Because with cheat sheets and with tiered rankings, they feel like barstool sports. If Barstool Sports had fantasy content, you'd know they would have cheat sheets with tears, right? Because their goal is not to make the sports media audience smarter. They're catering to the bottom 10%, the lowest common denominator. They just want to make things as easy as possible. Don't think, just consume. Don't think, just consume. But then you might say, well, playerprofiler.com has rankings. What's the difference? You have rankings. That simplifies players. Distills them down into one list. That's true. Our rankings are a distilled single list of players. Sorted by projections. But you need it to be even simpler, don't you? Yes, that's not simple enough. That was the genesis of my original question. Aren't rankings simple enough? Why the need for tiers and cheat sheets? But this is a tension that I experience all the time with Player Profiler. Because I see so many members of the audience who don't want to figure out a guy's profile. They don't want to view player profiler like a puzzle. They want it to be an answer key. Just give me the one number that I need to look at so I can make a decision, A or B. Thank you very much, player profiler. And that's not what player profiler is. If that's the exchange you're looking for, if that's the transaction that you are hoping we can lubricate for you, you're on the wrong website. This is why we don't have a draft guide on playerprofiler.com, though we may launch a draft guide in 2018. Be on the lookout for that. Don't be surprised when we sell out and create a draft guide, because those make money, and we need to make money to sustain Player Profiler. Get ready for us to sell out. Do a draft guide like everybody else. So even if we do a draft guide with cheat sheets and tiers, I will find it slightly unsettling, and that's okay, because we have to rectify the perfect world vision for the site with what the consumer wants. And playerprofiler.com ends up being a compromise. We're just hoping to compromise less than others. The whole notion of a cheat sheet, of one list of players, but I will always bend away from the notion Of one master list of players, or the idea that this one metric is all you need to know. All that matters for running back prospects is athleticism. This is where the player profiler philosophy and the RotoViz philosophy diverge the most because I don't believe that you can measure running backs or wide receivers or any NFL player based on a single metric. It's not true that all that matters for running backs is athleticism. See Kristen Michael. It's also not true that all that matters for running backs is their workhorse score. Just see David Cobb. David Cobb, 35.9% college dominator. That was 78th in the league. But because he ran a 475 and his agility score was 1156, 20th percentile, he did not have the requisite athleticism to play in the NFL, even though he was a workhorse at Minnesota. So I will always object to a quest for a skeleton key. Scouring the earth for that one metric that unlocks the truth. Something I will never participate in. Because when you go on those quests, you end up becoming Indiana Jones on a coke binge. This, this thing, this is the thing that matters. This is it. We've done it. We've found it. The artifact of all artifacts. <laughs> This is the one number you need. Age-adjusted production is all that matters for wide receivers. Except Tajay Sharp. Tajay Sharp was number one on the Rotoviz Wide Receiver Phenom Index last year, even though he had no exceptional comps in the NFL due to an ultra-low BMI. And John Moore invented the Phenom Index. And I love John Moore. John Moore is going to be coming on the show in a month to talk about rookie wide receivers. Talk about the Phenom Index because the Phenom Index is one of the more useful tools in all of pre-draft analysis. But like all indices, it can be used for good or evil. If you believe that all that matters is the Phenom score, you're doing it wrong. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have great value. A fantasy gamer will often make a poor choice in a fantasy draft When he or she is looking for a single skeleton key while overlooking red flags such as BMI and successful comps. That's the cheat sheetification of fantasy sports that I object to. And on the other end of the spectrum is the nihilistic approach. This is also where player profiler and roto-viz tend to diverge. Nothing matters. Think all these things matter? They don't. Stop thinking these things matter. Doesn't matter. Efficiency doesn't matter. Your precious production premium metric. That's an efficiency metric. Therefore, it does not matter. That's the perspective you get when you're constantly zooming in with a microscope looking for that super metric, that one answer to all questions. But we talk about zooming out, not zooming in on this show. We don't search for that one true Ark of the Covenant metric that'll power that one true cheat sheet list giving me all the answers. I don't have all the answers. So because I don't have a super metric and I don't have all the answers and I don't actually have a cheat sheet that I can hand over to you for playerprofiler.com, we're forced to zoom out. We're forced to look at player profiles holistically while certainly acknowledging that certain metrics matter more than others. Of course we know that. The search for that information is one of the driving forces behind the show. For example, Josh Hermsmeyer, who writes for Rotoviz, found that the most predictive stat for wide receivers is air yards. Air yards per game and target share adjusted air yards per game are some of the more predictive metrics in all of fantasy football. And we recently tweeted the best wide receivers in the NFL in 2016 in target share adjusted air yards because that matters it matters so much that i would say it's an excellent starting point for stack ranking wide receivers if you want to pick one metric which is the starting point metric the metric you would weight over all others it would be target share adjusted air yards but that's not enough one metric isn't the solution but it seems so many of my followers are looking for just that. They're looking for that one skeleton key metric. Just give me the player profile or cheat sheet. Or at least give me a short list of fields that matter so that I can simplify my quest for this arc of the covenant. But there is no short list that illuminates the definitive truth on each player. Doesn't exist. But there are stats and metrics that you should consider your starting points stats and metrics that deserve to be more heavily weighted like air yards. But this is not a 140 character long conversation. We can't go through the entire list of stats and metrics and evaluate and break down the value of each one on a single show. It's impossible. It's a fool's errand. So we don't do that here. But what we have done are literally hundreds of shows explaining the value of particular metrics. But neither you nor I nor anyone will ever solve Player Profiler and create a definitive list of metrics distilling everything down to one super stat that we can sort and create a cheat sheet off of. Doesn't exist and I don't think it ever can exist. I think it's an impossibility. Understanding how best to leverage Player Profiler is not the search for an answer key. It's much more like an adventure quest video game. It's like Zelda with no final level. And I know that sounds like some funky mystical answer that a guru would give you, like the truth lies within you. But the truth is, the best solution to player profiler lies within each player page. Because when you scroll down on these player pages, you see embedded shows, you see embedded articles, You have to explore these pages and the related content in a quest to incrementally gain knowledge. And this show has a lot of answers, but not all of them. You can read hundreds of articles and get a lot of answers, but not all of them. Because we don't have all of them. But we have covered a lot in the course of over 250 episodes. And now Player Profiler has data analysis. Go to playerprofiler.com forward slash data dash analysis. There you can access every metric in the database and sort it. And create your own cheat sheets on any given metric. That's a total game changer. And people are uncovering interesting data points every day and we are retweeting them as fast as we can. But there is no class that you can take on Player Profiler, no one article that you can read to get quote unquote up to speed on Player Profiler. The articles and the shows are like markers in the sand pointing us in the right direction. And if you leverage air yards more than most fantasy gamers, you will be moving in the right direction. And Josh Hermsmeyer told you that on this show. We had Josh Hermsmeyer on for a full show talking primarily about the predictive quality of air yards. This is what I'm talking about. We're doing everything we can to illuminate the optimal use of playerprofiler.com for fantasy football purposes. But what you're sensing is a tension point that I am experiencing because on one side, we have readers jumping up and down, objecting to the fact that they perceive that no one is allowed to disagree with the podfather on particular players. Why are the only articles on Duke Johnson agreeing with the podfather? And yet on the other end of the spectrum, we have other users yelling, saying, just tell me what to think. There's too much information here. Boil this down for me. Give me the site's answer key. And like with most optimal solutions, the best course of action is to go down the middle. I'm involved with every article. And I would not publish a piece that simply destroys Duke Johnson just because I feel compelled to make player profiler quote-unquote fair and balanced. But we're also happy to have a forum for different views on particular players, in particular a player's outlook for the upcoming season, like Keenan Allen. No surprise, two RotoViz writers wrote about Keenan Allen heading into the 2015 season. Aaron Butler, very bearish. Anthony Amico, very bullish. And it made perfect sense that they were RotoViz writers because the biggest criticism of RotoViz is that it's rife with inconsistency, conflicting ideas. An article on why you should buy Duke Johnson, followed directly by an article on why you should sell Duke Johnson. That confuses a lot of people. They walk away feeling like they have more questions about Duke Johnson than they have answers after reading two articles on RotoViz. That's the criticism I hear the most. But I don't have a problem with that approach. RotoViz and Player Profiler are just two of hundreds of fantasy sites providing content. We just happen to be the site the smart people go to who don't want someone to pick their fantasy team for them. Unlike this buzzard. Marvin Uros writes, on the last pod, you gave advice on rookies. Then you said that you were just bullshitting. How can I keep listening? You're a waste of time. Thanks, Marvin. He doesn't understand what we're doing here. I am here to provide information and to help you process information and think for yourself. I'm not here to do your thinking for you, Marvin. And neither are the writers at RotoViz, because the writers at RotoViz are asking their audience if they want to think. They're not trying to do their thinking for them. Would you like to think? Okay, great. Let's do some critical thinking together. I agree with that approach, offering different types of content, different viewpoints, and letting the reader decide what they believe is the final answer. We are consultants, we are not a judge nor a jury. And if that's what you're looking for, then go somewhere else if you don't want to think. Go to Barstool Sports and you won't have to do any thinking. But Rotoviz and Player Profiler are the anti-Barstool mentality. We're providing you a direction to move in and lots of interesting data if you care to think it through. If you want to go on a quest, we are here to guide you. But that's not what Marvin Uros is looking for. He doesn't want to go on a quest. He just wants to sit at his computer and have the answers fed to him in an earpiece via walkie-talkie. But if we're comparing Rotovision Player Profiler, I will say that I do exert more editorial control because I have perhaps begrudgingly accepted the role of stats guru on this adventure. I'm not sure I'm glad that I signed up for this job, but I have. I'm here to confirm that adjusted air yards is the most predictive of the wide receiver metrics on a per season basis, while also objecting to the notion that all that matters is air yards, because efficiency does matter in context. And this doesn't require a 10-page article. This is simply intuitive. It's simply so. Of course, efficiency matters. And this is where we can sometimes be misled by regression analysis. Part of my quest is the search for disruptions in the force when regression analysis directly conflicts with intuition. If it doesn't make intuitive sense, I start asking questions because regression analysis can create an aha moment as well as false confidence that you've found the one true final answer. Sometimes efficiency matters very little. Sometimes it's incredibly important. But it's up to the individual to be discerning about how and where they leverage efficiency and to what degree. Last year, Brock Osweiler was a classic case where production premium can help to illuminate a player's potential on a new team. Brock Osweiler's production premium was outside the top 30 in 2015, and that mattered. It allowed us to not only steer clear of Brock Osweiler himself in fantasy drafts, but also to steer clear of DeAndre Hopkins in the first round, steer clear of Will Fuller in the mid-rounds, and steer clear of The ultimate fake bell cow, Lamar Miller. The colonel that made all that possible, Brock Osweiler's 2015 production premium combined with his underwhelming college QBR at Arizona State. Production premium matters more for Julian Edelman than it does for Allen Robinson. Because Allen Robinson is still young. His skill set's not being degraded. His inefficiency last year was largely a product of Blake Bortles, not Allen Robinson himself. The opposite is true for Julian Edelman. His skill set is being degraded. And you can't blame Tom Brady for Julian Edelman's inefficiency in 2016. It's why Andre Johnson's inefficiency was a red flag, while Keenan Allen's was less important two years ago. But contextualizing metrics isn't easy. It's a thought-provoking exercise. And many of you simply do not want to think but we're going to bring on JJ Zacharyson to the show anyway. So he can tell you that Melvin Gordon's 2015 production premium was very much a red herring. And we'll explain why it was actually a buying opportunity for Gordon. Why? Because his college profile and his workout metrics were so impressive, it suggested that we should be forgiving him for his rookie year inefficiency. Why? Because college dominance also matters. As does college efficiency. Matt Jones' inefficiency at both the college level and the professional level was the primary pillar in the argument that he was being overdrafted last year. But there were many articles waving the Matt Jones flag, running down the hill, shouting, «Efficiency doesn't matter!» And in the case of Matt Jones, it did matter, because you can only be inefficient for so long before the team decides you no longer deserve touches. And Matt Jones finished out the 2016 season as a game day inactive. Anyone else remember the Justin Hunter and Cordell Patterson concurrent hype trains a few years back? A lack of college dominance and a low rookie year catch rate were indicators that Justin Hunter and Cordell Patterson were likely to miss expectations three years ago. Those were the two most unjustified, hype-fueled high-risers on draft boards in 2014. And what happened? Of course, they flamed out. But one number didn't tell the story. The holistic view of the Quiderelle Patterson profile, the holistic view of the Justin Hunter profile, provided you not with a definitive answer, but with a probability that they would miss expectations, and that's what happened. Just like I believe yards per target matters for Jarvis Landry. This is an even more nuanced conversation, because I believe that just because Jarvis Landry wears a bandana and commands a similar target rate to Odell Beckham Jr., doesn't mean we should be equating Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I believe that Jarvis Landry is targeted because he's given too much credit by the coaches. The coaches don't understand how replaceable Jarvis Landry is and at the same time do not appreciate What a rare asset they have in Kenny Stills. That's why the Miami Dolphins are going to sign Jarvis Landry to an extension while letting Kenny Stills walk in free agency. This is how bad franchises stay bad. A failure to self-scout effectively. And this is intuitive. The easiest way to lose in the NFL is to feed your inefficient players. Looking at the yards per target leads me to believe that Jarvis Landry should not be turned into a target monster. That Jarvis Landry is more replaceable than Kenny Stills. That Kenny Stills has more tactical value than Jarvis Landry. That it's not a good idea to feed targets to Jarvis Landry when you have Kenny Stills and Leontay Carew in the passing game. Efficiency metrics illuminate that fact this is a truth illuminated by efficiency metrics like yards per target and they help debunk the notion that adam gaze is one of these genius coaches that can get more out of players than other coaches so i am doing my best i'm doing my part to help you on this quest but there is no solving playerprofiler.com there is no finish line there is no singular arc of the covenant super metric Now, thankfully, many of you have been playing this adventure game along with me for many years. You've been on this quest for literally years, and it's been an enlightening quest. We've had a lot of fun, but there is no Mount Doom endgame. There is no one true ring cheat sheet. But we really should do a draft kit, shouldn't we?